ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And everybody, Pac-12 Sports may be coming back this calendar year within a month and a half. Brett, like, it might be happening. I, I want to get super excited, but 2020 has taught me to not get too excited <laughs> about anything, Adam. Like, there's no room for joy in this world right now. <laughs> I, we were recording this on Thursday, September 24th, and we knew that there was supposed to be a meeting of like the Pac-12 presidents and everyone. The idea was, would they vote to have football, to bring football back this year? The Big Ten did it last week, and it was like, oh, is the Pac-12 going to be next? And it turns out the answer is yes. Uh, the presidents, they decide on a seven-game season that'll start on November 6th for the conference, which it looks like it's going to be like you're going to play your division, like the Pac-12 South, and then have a couple crossover games with the North, and... We'll see what the schedule looks like. That has not come out yet. But as of right now, the Pac-12 is planning on returning to sports. They decide that they can put enough safety protocols in place and the uh, cities, the states where these programs are, can get by whatever rules need to be there, practice, and get ready to play college football. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, this is tough. it certainly seems more realistic than when they read to the schedules the first time and when Arizona was supposed to be playing ASU a couple of days from the time we're recording, which we're going to get into a little bit of that later. We have a special guest to talk about the game that almost happened, but certainly did not. But it's like, it seems better now than it did then, right? When they made that schedule, like, really, is this going to happen? Are they going to be ready by September 26th? But November 6th, November 7th here seems a little bit more likely. I mean, I think, I, I, in general, agree. The thing that has changed is the testing procedures have gotten much better, yeah, right, yeah. and more prevalent. And that, you know, we talked about that weeks or months ago. I don't know. Time has no meaning in 2020. I just sit at my desk all day. Um, <laughs> Life but, you know, is a like, Zoom meeting. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> um, you know, so... There have been changes in the fact pattern, and like I think we talked about it last week, like the schedule, even where ASU, we would have been playing ASU this coming Saturday, was aggressively smart if you were trying to make it happen in that current fat, fact pattern, though maybe right. overly aggressive. And then people complained that it was overly conservative by canceling through 2020. Um, and you know, funnily enough, both of those complaints are probably valid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And this is one of those situations where nobody's 100% right on anything. Um, and so, yeah, as of now, we're all excited. We're going to see not just football in, in November, but also basketball was so, announced. Brett, we're not, we're not all excited because all those sports reporters who were hoping that football would not return have got to be just overly distraught about this, you know? I mean, those people didn't exist, but even still, they have to be strong. No, I... It's. I mean, it's, I, I love to argue. I love to argue with straw men. I always make my best <laughs> points to them. But but that's the thing. Like we knew things could change, and if you look at it, it's certainly 
if you want to give the Pac-12 credit, it's hard to because they did some things well, but like when they made the decision to cancel things all through 2020, and now they're going back on that because things changed. And it would have been tough for them to say back in September, or not back in September, we're in September, but back in like August, or I forget exactly when they made the decision to cancel the, uh, the new season that they'd created, the new schedule. But could they have said, well, we'll reevaluate this in two weeks, and we'll do it two weeks from then, and two weeks from then. Like, that's hard to do. Like, it's... it's it, <laughs> I don't want to get too down on the leadership for how they handle this to that extent because there's no easy way to do it. You know, you have some of the programs that are plowing ahead, the conferences that are plowing ahead, and there's games being canceled all over the place because they may have rushed into this. So if we get to September, September, again, time. If we get to November 7th, November 6th, November 7th, and they play their seven-game schedule and everything goes off without a hitch, then it'll be hard to look at what the Pac-12 did and say they messed up, right? Because they're going to have gotten football in in this part of the schedule. But what if they can do that, what's disappointing is when they made that announcement that nothing until January 1, Arizona lost the Schooler Brothers, for instance. Oregon lost a few players that probably would have played this season if it was, they knew it was going to be over with by December, right? Like some like a normal time frame. So the Pac-12 making that decision when they did, it was understandable, but it definitely cost them some talent by making that choice. Honest, honestly, I think... Uh to kind of take an argument that our friend Michael Lev has made that if everybody, if all the conferences had followed the same kind of aggressive caution that the PAC 12 had done, I would feel much more confident about something resembling a congruent season across conferences. Yeah. Um, Because look at like, even this week, you know, we're excited about this and all, but like not to, not to be the Debbie downer, but, what is there five games already canceled this weekend due to coronavirus things and Colorado can't practice in their own uh, County. They got in trouble for going on a team hike with their, with well, their I, government. But, yeah. So like it, it's, 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 it's hard. It, it, as like we think we said last week, it's always complicated with coronavirus stuff. Yes. Right. Um, and students being on, I mean, has the has the Arizona shelter in place order for it students on campus in Tucson expired yet? Like we like we're all super excited. You can probably hear it in our voices because we're sports fans and you know we're we're actively rooting against the virus. This is and want and for sports, but like look what coronavirus did. It made U of A fans get excited to watch U of A football this season. When oh, there man. was one prediction that had them going over in their schedule in that new schedule, and we're all like. Arizona football could happen? Yes. Like, we wanted this. We did. We're masochists. But, uh, yeah, you want to get excited about this. But there is, and even, like, the like they're looking and saying everything's still subject to the world, right? If cases spike and it becomes unsafe, like, they have an idea for a seven-game season. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it certainly seems more likely than it did a month ago. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. I mean... Real, realistically, if you were a Vegas odds maker, Arizona plays seven games without delay through the rest of the year, and all Pac-12 teams play seven game season without delay. What are the odds of that? Like I feel, I mean, I feel better at the Pac-12 maybe because they have yeah. taken the approach they did. That doesn't mean it's going to work. And like I'm saying that now because I want to feel that way. Is that like my heart or my head saying that? But yeah, like it's. I guess other big news that came from like, out of today, the NCAA uh, Oversight Committee said all teams are recommending that all teams are eligible for bowls this season, so Arizona might be bowl eligible right now. 
for the first time in a few years, so that's cool. <laughs> but there, there's a lot that they have to figure out with this, and that's a thing. Like, this is a first step for the Pac-12, and that's where I think the Debbie Downer part comes in. This is a first step for the Pac-12 getting back on the field. Now they have to create a schedule, and we'll see what that looks like. Um, and then they have to be able to play it. <laughs> and, and just because they make the schedule doesn't mean they're going to be able to play it. So it's, it feels better right now because, like you said, the testing has changed where they can do those rapid tests and have them out there. And in theory, I'd like to think the scientific understanding of the virus and what you need to do to stay safe has also changed. It's evolved. It's gotten better. If they can do it, like, it, like the NFL has shown that it's possible even without a bubble, right? They seem to be doing pretty well. Grand, those are professional athletes who are getting paid to do that. And there's different, there's different things going on with them and different testing and different money, even resources in the NFL. And uh, fines. Yeah, well, there's that. Baseball had a really rough start early on, but they seem to have gotten their thing somewhat under control. And obviously the bubbles, NHL and NBA, have been perfectly fine, but why wouldn't a bubble be a problem? College football is a little bit different because, like you said, I don't know with the number of games. I think it's in, like, the 20s or something for various schools. Like, who is it? Is it Texas Tech has had issues? There's another school in that area uh, that's, like, missed all their games right now. Like, someone said they had to cancel, like, every single game they were supposed to play. I mean, I think in general, college towns are struggling. Yeah. So that, <laughs> that's which, the thing. Which is the difference between, you know, pro guys, uh, you know, staying at home and college athletes ostensibly being treated just like regular students. And college towns are, you know, I, I know for a fact, uh, like, Pullman just says, you know, my fiance's family lives there. Even though they didn't even open the campus up, some people went back to live there as students because they had no, they got nowhere else to go, Adam. Um, <laughs> and their cases went from next to nothing in a relatively small town to, you know, oh crap, everybody stay home. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, cross your fingers. Let's hope that the testing procedures uh, are effective. Um, you know, the, I think like the Arizona schools have done a relatively good job, uh, and then think, especially compared to say some other places where people will tweet they would let two million people die if they can watch uh, football <laughs> in a certain conference. Um, but, so I'm, I'm Brett. I'm, that I'm, just I'm means a, that people don't care about the Pac-12. That's all. <laughs> now, that's all that means. I'm a, yeah. I'm in a. I'm I'm so confused with so many emotions because I'm so excited for college sports, but I'm also trying to remind myself, eh, this just because this happened, you know, we were supposed to be playing football Saturday. <laughs> well, we were supposed to be playing football a month ago, you know, like if all things went the way they were supposed to. Arizona already be what four and zero now, five and zero, I think. Although the sim games on Desert Swarm have been going really well, Arizona. So like sim Wildcats have been. Significant. Grand Arizona got to a pretty good start last season too, after the Hawaii game. So I mean, maybe the Sim Wildcats haven't yet hit their wall where they're not going to win again. But yeah, I, we want we we've, we've always wanted football. We want it to be done safely. And the worst thing would be if they get started and then have to start missing games and canceling games and all that, and people are getting sick. And there's some real like it's only for you know kids to get sick if they end up being fine or the contact tracing. But like if a coach or a ref or someone really falls ill, like that's. There's there's plenty of bad things that could still happen. Like the pandemic isn't over. Like that's the well, important thing to remember here. And the, that's the thing that I think we talked about a little bit last week. That the, the question for me is like, what is the ends we're trying to achieve with college football? Right? Is it to play something resembling a regular season within your conferences? Is it to have all of the you know 
the BCS bowls, the New Year's bowls happen uh, as if everything was hunky dory. Um, have a real national champion. Like what? What? What is the end goal? Um, other than, you know, the real the real goal of everybody wants to make money. Um, but like from a from a football season output, and I don't know if I still today don't know what the answer to that question is. And like, what happens if your if your goal is to have the New Year's Bowls and uh, the BCS and the national championship as something resembling a normal outcome? The the delays that are already happened in these other conferences don't augur well for the remainder of the season or the Pac-12. And what hap- You know, maybe you can have gaps, but there's no there's no cushion built into the schedule. No. So what happens when you have one Pac-12 South team with only five wins? Or five games played and one with six at the end of the year. Who? How do you? You know, because you ran out of time. Or do you just extend everything? Like, but then you have to coordinate with conferences. Like, it's. I don't know. I'm like I said. I'm going through all of the emotions. I'm going through excitement to, uh, thinking through all of the nuance and realities that are probably something that we're going to have to confront, even if we don't want to admit it. No, and that's even like the next what five weeks or so, six weeks as they gear up for this season. Everything has to go right, and that's why you want to be excited because like there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's like you see that island off in the distance, but you're not there yet. You know, like you're not on the island. You haven't made landfall. Like you're still having to get there. And there's a lot that has to happen. A lot that still has to go right. Not only to start a season, but be able to play it out all the way through. And you know, it's not we haven't break. we haven't even left the dock. No, and and, and that's the thing. Like. But we, 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 got our, we got our ticket to get on the boat. You know, like that's where we're at right now. And we don't know if there's any icebergs or anything else what's in the way. But like there's still a pandemic. There's still a virus and there are still protocols. And you're still banking on college students, college student athletes to do the right thing and not put themselves in, in situations where they can get sick. And depending on where their college is located, you know, certain places have rising cases. Like it's not hasn't really happened yet so far in Arizona and California. It's been going down, trending the right direction. A lot of states have been. But we're getting past some of these, you know, holidays and stuff. We'll see if they start trending upwards. That could change things. And the Pac-12, even they were talking about that in their announcement. Like everything can change. Everything's up in the air still. But they have a base, a loose, a loose plan here. Now I saw Michael Levy tweet that Oregon's president Michael Schill on the decision to turn. Like it, apparently, it's not motivated by money. He said this quote: "This has nothing to do with money." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you're asking, like, what the end game is. It's not to make money. It's not to salvage any type of finances. It's something other than that, according to Oregon's president. So we can we can throw that one out. That's that's not it. It has nothing to do with money. Why they're trying to get them back in the field, right, Brett? Nothing to do with money, according to Oregon President Michael Schill. <laughs> I mean. If I had Nike money, it'd probably have nothing to do with money either. <laughs> like we don't need like that's maybe like for us. It doesn't like for them. Like we don't want anyone else to get the money. It helps their advantage because if no one else gets their money, but it's interesting because like you know, it's, there's nothing that says if uh, say let's just say Oregon, you know, they go seven and zero in the Pac-12 schedule, and that's another thing. We're, we're going to find out who the Pac-12 favors this year by how they how unbalanced they make this schedule. You know, because if you play, you have a seven games, so you play your entire your division. That's what five games. So you have two crossover games still. Who gets who? Who does Oregon no. play when Oregon gets Oregon. Arizona and Colorado as their South games? You know that Pac-12 is saying we want you in the playoff. Go win games. The Pac the Pac-12 will give them Colorado four times and us three times. <laughs> like that's just, that's interesting to see how that schedule goes. But of course, Larry Scott does think that if a team goes seven on the Pac-12, even if they have to go like there's other conferences that play nine games, ten games, then there's gonna be a lot of not guesswork, but 
the people who make the decisions for the playoffs will have to just look and say, okay, do we think that Oregon team is better than that other school from somewhere else? They didn't win as many games, but just look at the roster. Are they a better team? And that you don't want to put that in anyone's hands, but that's the way it's going to be. You know, and that of course someone has to go seven and zero to make it a conversation. If Oregon loses two games, it doesn't matter. If USC well, what, loses a couple of games, it doesn't matter. What happens? What happens if you know Oregon like the schedule? Do you think that they front load the schedule with the the biggest matchups to avoid a situation where? Like Oregon and Washington, or if they put later in the season in a seven-game season, uh, because a five and zero Oregon team that has to cancel the last two games probably doesn't get in if they don't yeah. win against Washington, right? Well, I'm curious about the schedule, and that's another thing we could talk about. I did see a tweet that you know how they're doing it is like I thought they would look at this se- this season, the number, the 2020 schedule, and it'd just be like, kind of like a wash, right? Because it's all crazy. This whole off season, putting it together, it's not what it was supposed to be. So you just create some sort of random schedule for this season, and then whatever was supposed to happen in 2020 for real, you push back to 2021. And for instance, like Arizona's schedule, they're supposed to host ASU this season. And it's like, well, if not going to have any fans, that's another thing. Like fans are not supposed to be, they're, they're saying no fans in the stadium for these games this season. But Arizona's supposed to host ASU this season. So you'd say, you know what, I don't know where the game will be played. Find a neutral site. I don't care. There's no fans in the stands. It's not really the home game next season when assuming the world is back to normal and there are fans in the stands, ASU comes to play Arizona in Tucson. Well, according to John Wilner, the Pac-12 part of what they're doing is that they're not trying to mess with the 2021 schedule at all. They want to leave it as is, which would mean, of course, Arizona plays ASU in Tempe. So the next time there's fans in the stands, it would be a true road game for Arizona without the benefit of an actual home game in between. Like that's not, or the revenue or the revenue. Like that's, and that's the type of thing where it's like, Yes, like if I'm an ASU fan, like, and we actually all preview our guests. We have Brad Denny from the Speak of the Devils podcast coming on later, and we're going to ask him about that too because I don't think it takes a U of A fan to look at it and say, that's not right. You know, like, because this season's already weird enough. You're not going to have fans in the sense. It's not a true home field advantage for the Territorial Cup. It's not going to be like the energy that's supposed to be there, the boost that you get, because even a bad Arizona team at home gets a boost with that fan support there, which is a game that they're going to sell out. And. Without that, it almost doesn't count. You're at a disadvantage. So basically, back-to-back years where there's a home field advantage, it goes to ASU. And it's not because ASU is filling up 90% of your home stadium. It's because the game is at ASU. Like, that seems like, I don't know if, I don't, short-sighted isn't the word, but it just seems like an unnecessary thing to do by the pack. Like, this is a conference that won't even tell you what time a game is going to start until like three days before it happens. The idea that they can't push a schedule back a calendar year and say, okay, the games you're supposed to be at home and the games you're supposed to be on the road in 2020, those are now going to be in 2021. Like That seems like it should have been doable, and the Pac-12 is trying to do this to avoid that. I don't like that. There, I think they messed up. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to know what conversations have been discussed. Like, Obviously, they were like talking about like bowl eligibility things and trying to figure out some of the scheduling things. Like, I got to imagine, or I would hope, that Dave Hickey and uh, Bobby Robbins would be like, hey, guys, this is kind of screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, from a revenue perspective, or, you know, like, if you have an, an unbalanced uh, schedule in terms of, like, th- th- those money games, right? Like, I, it doesn't matter for a school like Oregon, but it's not about the money, right? I mean, it, it, does, um, I mean, it does matter. For, like, Oregon has a ton of it. It does matter. And, like, they want... Well, I'm being, like sar- being sarcastic. Yeah, I know. Like, Odson's <laughs> a great home field advantage, too, that crowd. You know, they lose out yeah. on that. And, like, I mean, that's... That's for for a program like Arizona and uh, athletic department that 
could use a sold out football game every other year that's like a guaranteed sellout that's a that's a that's not an insignificant impact and i wonder if i would hope that hiki and some of these other uh 80s and presidents raise that and maybe there's some kind of you know revenue sharing situation figured out or or something along those lines because you know, if if if, it, if I was them, I'd be pounding the table saying, no, 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 you need to give, if you're going to do this, you you better pay. And that has nothing to do with the competitive disadvantage that Arizona might be at by their home game being in front of zero fans. Like, that has to do with the revenue coming for your program, it's yeah. Just the revenue. And, yeah, the, the competitive disadvantage is, is its own thing, right? Um, but, like, I mean, I think the competitive disadvantage, I think, that's a, I think that's a wash because, yeah, the rivalry games, sure, but everything else, it's just like luck of the draw anyway on the rotation. Can you, can you just like pipe in crowd noise and like just re- make it really loud? Like, because we've NFL games, they've had like the fake crowd noise and everything, the ambient noise where if you're not paying attention, it just sounds normal, which is weird. And I look, I mean, I'm like, oh, wait, there's nobody there. That's. I'm pretty sure a lot of sports have done that anyway. But like, when if, if they're there, especially if in the state of Arizona. That, if they can make it really loud, it might be louder than it otherwise would have been, so it could be made a competitive advantage for them. But if they can like, uh, make it really loud screaming when ASU has a third down, you know, and things like that, like that's the advantage you're missing. Well, but the, the I'm pretty sure that the statistical advantage of that is not – it's not just the noise. It's that uh, a home environment has an um, impact on officials on an ever-so-slight – Impact, you know, uh, direction towards the home team. I think is what is the piping dis- crowd noise that like yells at the refs too. Well, but I, I, I don't. As much as refs don't listen to the crowd ninety eight percent of the time, I think they're going to make it ninety nine or ninety nine point nine percent of the time if they know it's just like, you know, fake entirely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I guess I'd rather have refs that call it perfectly. You know, like. It's nice. It'd be nice if Arizona got some good breaks in the Territorial Cup, which I don't feel like has happened recently. But it's just everything's so weird about this season. That's kind of what I'm getting at. And it seems like, and there's Arizona's not the only team that would get hosed in that way. You know, I don't know the rest of the Petro schedule, but there are obviously going to be a bunch of teams that had a rivalry game at home this season that aren't going to have that normal home field advantage and have to go on the road the next year and deal with the like guess the road team disadvantage. Like that's that's going to happen. Arizona's not alone in that. But as we look at this, the schedule hasn't come out yet. I think that's supposed to come out maybe next week. And I'm really curious to how it's going to look. I have seen some rumors that maybe Arizona will play ASU to start the season again, which I feel I remember we talked about it when it was supposed to be September 26th. I hated that for a lot of reasons. Most of I thought there's no way either team's going to be prepared to play even a reasonably decent game, you know, on September 26th. Now, I feel better about like a November 7th game for them. Because they'll have like an offseason. They have all this time. Arizona's been practicing. They've had some ability to kind of learn their defense. Of course, now they've also lost more players. <laughs> you know, Alan Wilburn decided he wanted to transfer as well. So, like, that's not good. But if that's the way they go, and if they do, we'll talk about it next week, sure. But if that's the way they go, I don't hate it as much. But it's just everything about this season is going to be weird. Even if they play all seven games, it's going to be weird. Like, we're going to watch them on TV, of course, but it's going to be weird. You know, it's been weird watching NFL games, knowing that there's still a pandemic going on or other college games too. It's like, there's a pandemic. It's not real crowd noise there. I guess there's some stadiums that have some fans in the stadium, but like, it's just, everything's going to be such a weird vibe. And I'm curious to see how that impacts things. Like it should impact the schedule. It's going to impact the schedule. They have to create an entirely new schedule based on condensing it into seven weeks and having everybody play whoever. Like it's, I'm, it, 
I mean, you can always trust the Pac-12 to do the right thing. So I guess I should have full confidence that they're going to get this done properly. But I just want to see it. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing is I feel like all of this, I think you and I would probably both agree that the Pac-12 has actually ironically handled the coronavirus stuff relatively well compared to how they normally do. And they're getting more crap for that than almost anything else. Um, yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm real curious to see the schedule. I'm I I have this semi hot take that I guess aligns with that that old ESPN FBI projection that I actually think uh, a week one matchup against ASU might be our best chance solely because I think we have a ball control offense that can hide the defense. Yeah, that projection was made though when Arizona had linebackers. That's fair. Um, I mean, I, I can name a. a how many scholarship linebackers do we technically have now? Darian Clark, uh, Javar Triplett has a torn Achilles, Anthony so he's Pandy, probably not playing. Uh, Derek Morning. Yeah, well, Derek Morning's a true freshman. <laughs> he's on scholarship. He's oh, he's he he's starting, <laughs> like first hundred percent. Like that's what's happening. But like, I don't know. I you know. Edgar Barola, the you know minor note, uh, was tweeting out that he was being welcomed back after his suspension, and it sounds like he's gonna maybe be on a short leash, but back on the roster. And you look at like the O line, I I feel pretty good about the talent and depth there. You have a good running back, you have experienced receivers, you have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. As long as you don't, uh, you know, if you control the ball for 35 to 40 minutes a game, when I think you could do that early on in a season, especially when you know, and a team like ASU is going to be replacing a lot of O linemen, and, uh, and I think some defensive linemen. We can talk to Brad about that in a minute, but you know, I, I, I it's it's going to be it's going to be something. I think Arizona's offense is going to be highly capable, and our defense is going to be. Let's see how the defensive coaching staff uh, is at teaching. <laughs> right, right. Well, if nothing else, though, it looks like there's going to be a season for the Arizona Wildcats football team. Whether it'll be a winning season or not for them. If you want to have a winning season, you go to MyBookie because in their terms, winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season also means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. You find those at MyBookie where winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. So rejoice not only that the Pac-12 is going to come back, but the NFL has already returned. And so Saturdays, Sundays, you're going to have football back for your entire weekend. And you also have a chance at huge cash prizes. So make sure you get on the action by using promo code OVERTIME. And you can use that, and you will double your first deposit. New players, of course, get up to $1,000 in free play, which will make it even more exciting to watch and follow the sports you love and the games that you bet on. So bet with the best this NFL season, this Pac-12 season, this college football season, everything, and make sure you win big. Use promo code OVERTIME to double your first deposit. Remember, your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. So, Brett, we are going to talk to Brad Denny to help preview. Well, I guess there's nothing, there's no game to preview, but there was almost a game to preview in a couple of days against Arizona State. But, of course, we got him to talk about the Sun Devils, and we're going to talk about just kind of the news that happened today right after this break. All right, we're back, and we are happy to be joined by Brad Denny of the Speak of the Devils podcast. Admittedly, I don't listen to a lot of Speak of the Devils, and I'm sure most of our listeners don't either, but there's one thing I can tell everyone for certain that we'd all agree on is you guys have some really cool show stickers. <laughs> we, we, you know, that, that is one of the, the core tenets of our program. When we started the show nine years ago, we're like, 
you know, the, the audio quality or the guests or the content, that's all secondary. If we can put out some fire stickers, we are great. Well, they got holograms and everything. We're, we're, like, they're, they're really cool. <laughs> like, to the point where I, part of me is like, <laughs> it'd be really awesome to have one. And I'm like, no, no, Adam, no, you cannot have that in your house. So it, it made Bad me think, Adam. though. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want to smack my own nose with a newspaper. <laughs> but, Adam was like, I could get two of these stickers and have a double inferno. That would be sweet. <laughs> but, but Brad, we're happy to have you on. I can make it happen. Like, the reason we were going to have you on originally was because when the Pac-12 redid their schedule the first time, they had set up Arizona ASU September 26th. So if everything had gone according to that plan, we'd be previewing a Territorial Cup game to start this Weird season. Now it turns out we're recording this on Thursday and the Pac-12 announced they're going to start a season or at least attempt to start a season in November. That schedule hasn't been released yet, but you know, but it's, we were almost what, two days away from the territorial cup. <laughs> like how crazy is that at this point in time here in late September? It's good, like the people on earth too, that, you know, actually followed through with wearing masks and social distancing and taking the CDC seriously. They're, they're about to have a great time. Cause I think, you know, Territorial Cup showdowns are always something special, but uh, unfortunately, in our reality, you know, the you know it was the rug was pulled out uh, from under us. But uh, you know, with today's announcement, we'll we'll get that at some point here uh, this fall, which which is nice. And you know, a little, you know, while the world is largely you know weird and on fire, at least we'll have that sense of normalcy of the Wildcats and Sun Devils uh, hitting the holy hell out of each other. Hopefully. <laughs> We're going to finally get a chance to see if ESPN was right with the 52.5%, the FBI projection of the Arizona win. Well, yeah, for a while, that was going to be what we, held, we hung our hats on was that, well, the season didn't happen, but according to ESPN, Arizona was going to beat ASU, so bring the cup back to Tucson. I guess now they're going to actually have to play the game. Yeah, I mean, no more hiding behind theoretical mathematics. I mean, we gotta, we gotta have these teams uh, hit, hit hit the field and and, and see uh, what happens. And you know, while while the preseason uh, trend lines and expectations might be in different places, as uh, all of us know, you know, once those two teams uh, hit the field together, you know, everything goes out the window, and weird stuff often and uh, will happen. So, Brad, I'm curious to hear your perspective because you know we've talked a lot on this show what the impacts. Uh, would be for the Arizona Wildcats if there was a season, which now it seems like there's going to be. You know, obviously the Wildcats lost a couple big linebackers, also lost Brendan Schooler. Um, what's what's your take on ASU going into the season as is now with the November start? Like, how do you feel about the roster? Do you think you guys are ahead of the game with a returning quarterback, et cetera? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you started the quarterback position and, and Jaden Daniels and you know, as long as you got a quarterback of that caliber, I think you got to feel pretty good about where this program's headed. And as one, of, I know as a, as a common ASU fan, uh, refrain during these uh, crazy months that you know it'd just be so ASU to have uh, one of these generational type quarterbacks, these generational by Tempe standards, and to have a full season of his eligibility uh, kind of be wiped off the books. But you know, at least having an abbreviated seven game season, you get to see uh, Jaden do his thing. And I, I think that for the Sun Devils' perspective, you're going to have this delay was kind of advantageous because in a lot of key areas they were going to have to rely on some pretty young guys, uh, some new guys, in, in a lot of positions, you know, including uh, both the offensive and defensive lines. And this extra time, uh, you know, from talking to people from players and, and people within the program, it seems that they've, uh, you know, used this, you know, the post the initial postponement in August as kind of more motivation to 
to realize that uh, this is going to be something they have to to really kind of hit the ground running, get and prepare for. Uh, some of the, the younger guys are, are uh, gearing up to step into some larger roles than they than they uh, were used to, and you know a few of the uh, uh, big guys in terms of you know draft prospects for the Sun Devils. Uh, you know they're actually going to be able to have a chance to get out there and uh, do their thing, like you know Frank Darby or Merlin Robertson, uh, guys that are going to be able to hopefully improve their draft stock uh, over the next seven games. Yeah, I'm curious. You mentioned the uh, the O line and D lines. Obviously, you you follow uh, ASU much more closely than Adam and Adam or I do. But we've had discussions where you know if we want to talk ourselves into an optimistic approach, we basically have the entire O line coming back with depth and experience and some talent there, which you know, it, it it kind of helped rationalize the the ESPN projection if ASU was playing U of A in week one that, you know, you can go a long way with a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes and have a good offensive line and running back, right? Maybe hide our defense. How, how You said, you mentioned the O-line and D-line with a lot of, uh, you know, new guys on there. How How is that how is that looking right now as it stands with the talent and experience level? Uh, you know, starting on the offensive line, uh, you know, ASU was in that weird position last year to have, two true freshman starters on the offensive line, something that was kind of by necessity, not obviously, uh, you know, something the coaching staff typically wants to actually have happen. But now, you know, you cross 40 year, and now you have those guys with a year uh, of experience under their belt, which can really help them. And that's Donovan West and Ladarius Henderson. Ladarius Henderson's uh, going from the starting left tackle to the presumed starting right tackle because ASU picked up a, a transfer from Kellen Deesh uh, coming over from Texas A&M. He's the guy that looks the part. Was a, was a heralded recruit coming out of high school, but never was able to, you know, find a consistent role with the Aggies. But, you know, he's looking, he came to ASU looking to, you know, finish his career on a high note, looked pretty good in the seven spring practices ASU had. Um, so, but it, it remains to be seen whether he's going to be able to lock down that, that all, uh, all very clear, or critical blind side of Jaden Daniels, uh, you know, and they have another transfer coming in from Stanford, Henry Haddis, a guy that could, uh, that figures to slide into a starting guard spot or if, Henderson uh, flounders, maybe kick him out to uh, tackle. Uh, then the center spot, I think, is going to be real key because you had a Cole Cabral, his multi-year starter, uh, one of the better guys in the conference in the interior line. It's, whether it's going to be Cade Cody, who's coming back, who was granted a sixth year, uh, he was going to be the presumed starter at center a year ago, or maybe a younger guy like a Ben Scott, if he can step in. The, the staff's real uh, enthusiastic about him, but he had some, uh, some pretty spring, he had some snapping issues that maybe guards a better spot for him. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, fall camp is going to be real key to see how those key pieces are going to be, you know, finally uh, established. Uh, and then you're flipping over that defensive line, it's going to be real interesting because you got to feel pretty good about ASU's linebackers and especially their secondary. But the D line has consistently been a sore spot for the team. Uh, now they're moving, they're changing defensive schemes with co-coordinators Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce. They're going to have a, a true four-man front. And ASU does at this point doesn't really have a, a kind of a, a true pass rusher. I mean, there are a lot of guys that kind of project pretty well, I mean, like uh, Tyler Johnson, who's returning to the team, and Mary Johnson, who came into the program at 6'6", 225, but has put on about 50 pounds of muscle over his time. He looks the part, but can he actually put forth that production? Uh, arguably their best defensive lineman, Jermaine Lole, is playing a, an end position in the, the old 3-3-5. They slid him into the uh, interior, so he's going to play uh, three-tech. Is he able to kind of take that next step in his jun- true junior season and become the dominant force that new D-line coach Robert Rodriguez thinks he can be. It, it remains to be seen. And uh, so there's going to be some interesting and unproven pieces on that D-line. You have a couple four-star D-linemen and true freshmen, Joe Moore and Omar Norman Lott. Those are going to be guys that, you know, as, as Herm has shown over his tenure, 
he's not afraid to throw in uh, true freshmen into the fire, and I think those guys could be thrown in there because ASU needs a, a, some, uh, a really improved line play if they really want to make good on their aspirations to, to challenge for a South title. And we're joined by Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils. And the way you're talking there, like, there's a lot of optimism surrounding ASU. Like that, I think, you know, Brad and I both live in the Phoenix area. We follow Twitter. Like, we see a lot of ASU fans are high on this team. And conversely, you know, Arizona fans, like Brett said earlier, we can talk ourselves into thinking they'll be pretty good based on certain things. But neither one of us really expect Arizona to have some sort of great season. Like, if there was a full season, none of us were picking them to go to a bowl game, for instance. Whereas for ASU, there's a lot of people who look at them and say, maybe a a Pac-12 South favorite, or if not a favorite, certainly a sleeper to win the division. But if... If I look at them when I see ASU, Jaden Daniels was very good last season as a freshman, but obviously he needs to take a step forward as a guy who can win you more games. I like, you know the Washington State game, he stepped up in that one. But he was a, he was really good at not making mistakes and making a big play when he had to. Can he have that game where he throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns when the defense lets you down? And if what's behind him, if he was to miss some time due to injury, what is it about ASU? Like Obviously, we know if everything goes right, they can be really damn good. What are the weaknesses if something goes wrong? Like, what would be the reason for why ASU, I don't want to just say underwhelms based on people thinking they're going to win, I guess, out of seven games, maybe five or six of them, but has actually, like, a down season where it's maybe two to four wins? I think it, you, you got to stay in the trenches and on both sides of those lines. Uh, you know, if the offensive line, you know, is, say, a Kellen Deesh comes in and really is not able to make good on his, on his promise, you know, and is not able to, you know, solidify that left tackle spot, or if you have, uh, you know, some of the, if you have issues at, at center as they did a year ago and, you know, on the defensive line, you know, you can have a great secondary or a nice group of linebackers, but if, you know, you're losing every battle uh, in the trenches and we, that's something that ANCU struggled with in recent years of just, you know, like kind of getting beat down on the point of attack and, you know, that kind of really negates, you know, ha- having talented athletes in that secondary. So I think if ASU does have a weakness and, you know, if they do ultimately fall short in the seven game season, I think, um, beyond, you know, of course, you, know, you mentioned an injury to Jaden Daniels because the, the depth there is also pretty, pretty scary, of course, you know, with, the, with some of the transfers. But I think ultimately, if outside of injury, if you have, if, if ASU is falling short of their, those expectations and kind of just, a, you know, another season or just a middling performance, then I think that you're going to be able to easily trace those struggles back to uh, both the offensive and defensive lines. So, Brad, you mentioned linebackers. What is it like to have linebackers plural? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not that's not a real question. Okay. It's more it's more me just being a sad person that looks at our depth chart that is is Darion Clark, and then uh, I think maybe me or Adam as like well, Anthony other... Pandy's in there. He was going to start for them, so you know, there's one guy that was projected to start for Arizona who will actually be starting for them. I think. I guess there's a lot that can happen between now and November seventh. Yeah, yeah. You guys got a couple reps in you. <laughs> We've certainly got eligibility. <laughs> um, no, that you kind of touched on the one thing that I think is. Uh, you know, I mean, we're Wildcat fans. We're not. Me and Adam are not people that necessarily root against ASU like a lot of the uh, the rival fans are. But if I was if I was gonna look at ASU's roster and the thing that if I was a fan that scared me, I think you mentioned was the quarterback depth. And if you have a young O line, like, what do you guys even have behind Jaden Daniels if he if he rolls an ankle anymore at the quarterback spot? And that that's uh, you know that's gonna be an interesting and underrated um, aspect. <clears throat> excuse me, aspect of fall fall camp. I mean, you have a, a guy like uh, Trenton Borgay who, you know, above the shoulders uh, is, is basically a, an, an OC right now. He's one of the 
the highest football IQ guys uh, probably in the state. He was, you know, a guy that was a prep star here in in the state and uh, came to Arizona State to basically get kind of his coaching PhD and learning four years under Herm. The thing is, though, you know, below the shoulders, he's a, he's a diminutive guy, is, doesn't have the strongest arm, uh, but he ended up in, during spring practice uh, taking a lot of the, the number two reps. And ASU's uh, quarterback depth, because you know, they brought in three quarterbacks in, in a couple of years ago, with, uh, you know, uh, in Jaden's class. Joel Yellen is now at Pitt, and uh, Ethan Long is now a H-back kind of tight end type, um, you know, the Captain America role that, uh, you know, he earned himself in, in fall camp. And so there's, and then they brought in a true freshman and, and uh, Dylan McMillan or Dalen McMillan more. Um, so, you know, do you really want to have that number two spot be a, a true freshman that's coming in and stepping foot on campus just, you know, in the last couple of months <laughs> during a pandemic. Uh, and they tried to bring back Jack Smith, who was a quarterback um, on the roster a couple of years ago, suffered some uh, severe injuries, uh, then came back and participated in spring ball a little bit. Uh, but he opted to put himself in the transfer portal. So you, yeah, Who hasn't? you, you know, that that's going to be one, <laughs> you know, yeah, you ain't cool unless you win the portal. <laughs> and so you got a you have a, a situation where you have Jaden who you know as you guys saw you know he uh, you know has the height for a good quarterback man he, he looks uh, kind of he was real thin as a, as a freshman and he's put on you know a few pounds of muscle since then but you know is he able to uh, be a guy that can make it through a seven game season and he's a guy that obviously has a lot of uh, mobility and is able to make big plays with his feet but you the coaches were last year especially were reinforcing him get down know when you've gotten as much as you can and then slide and, and so you wonder if maybe they they're going to try to nerf his running ability this year just knowing in the back of their mind that behind him they have some serious uh, issues with uh, depth issues at the quarterback position so well you say uh, that really quick that hopefully they saw what happened with arizona a couple of years ago when you nerf your running quarterbacks running ability it doesn't necessarily end well <laughs> So just some, I know, I know Jaden Daniels wasn't quite the runner that Khalil Tate was, but just a running quarterback or mobile quarterback, part of the effectiveness is their ability to run in that threat. So obviously if they take that away from Jaden Daniels, even if it's prudent to do so, but because you're kind of coaching in fear at that point. And that's what's funny about this, right? We're saying like if, if Jaden Daniels gets hurt, well, for pretty much every team and a lot of teams in the country, if their starting quarterback gets hurt, they're in trouble. You know, ASU staff may be a little bit less than some other schools, but of course, if he doesn't get hurt, then it's not an issue. But at the same time, I guess is that is that a recruiting issue? Because I know Herm's done a great job in recruiting, especially compared to what Arizona's done with Kevin Sumlin. But I know there were times where ASU would bring in like three or four quarterbacks, and it was like, yeah, this is like it's almost quarterback you, and obviously that's not sustainable. But here they are left at least for this season. There's not much there, even though there's like obviously tons of talent at receiver and at linebacker and defensive back and those positions. Yeah, it's tough. It's just kind of the, the nature of the game these days is that, you know, with you don't win a job out of camp. It seems like, you know, the, the first instinct is not to, you know, go the Mike Berkovici route and, you know, stick it out and wait for your chance. It's to, to, to find greener pastures. And, you know, when ASU brought in those three quarterbacks uh, a couple classes ago, you know, that it was just with kind of the understanding that, you know, these get, not all three of these guys are going to be here uh, a year or two from now. And, you know, that does set up a situation where you don't have that, that depth unless you kind of get something unusual and a guy decides to stick around and, uh, you know, be one of the, wait for his chance and battle it out. But even if you have a guy like Jaden who, you know, since he got here was kind of clearly understood was going to kind of be a three-year and done guy. Uh, so, it, you know, it does set 
as much as and aggressive as the coaching staff has been, and as you mentioned, you had some recruiting success. That quarterback position is just so tricky in terms of being able to, you know, build uh, consistent quality depth. I mean, knowing that these days that you know, most likely if a guy doesn't win the job outright, you know, he's he's heading off. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's. I know to kind of compare it to Arizona, obviously when Herm was hired and when someone was hired, the same offseason, and there were high expectations for Sumlin, and for Herm was a lot of like a lot of people kind of questioning like what, what was Ray Anderson doing, bringing this guy in from ESPN, you know, wasn't the NFL, but like can he coach? And two years later, obviously there's the expectations or the results have been completely reversed. Someone has struggled, and there's a lot of thought where if Arizona had the money, they would have fired him after last season. Whereas Herm, people are jumping on the Herm train. And like I, I comment, I've written for AZ Desert, so I'm like, as good as ASU's been under Herm, they've been fairly average the last two seasons, right? It's not like ASU's been contending for the South title. They won, what, like eight games each of the last couple of seasons, including the bowl games. So it's like, that's good. And if I'm Arizona, I would take that. And if they could do that every year, you'd build a statue for that coach. But for ASU, where Herm's <laughs> at, is it getting to the point now, too? I know it's only going to be his third season, but the expectations now get that much higher. Okay, eight wins are nice. Now you have to start competing, or does this recruiting that the success he's had on the recruiting trail kind of buy him that time to continue to build the program at the pace that it's going? Since Herm took over uh, and just kind of you know revamped the way um, Sun Devil football was, was had been operating under Todd Graham and uh, you know, I've always kind of looked at 2021 as kind of being the referendum year for this version, uh, this, you know, approach and this regime. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the you know, seven wins in each of the last or in each of his first couple of regular seasons, that's nice. And I, I think it does illustrate the point, like when you compare it to Todd Graham's, you know, final seven and five year, not all seven and fives are built the same or even feel the same. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, the times that, you know, the, those first couple of years where he was playing a ton of freshmen uh, and building that that foundation, kind of revamping how the, the program operates on an off-the-field capacity as well, to completely uh, scrapping and rebuilding the recruiting operations, all that, you know, that, that kind of grace period, I don't want to say it's completely gone because I think that, you know, especially when you factor in all the pandemic stuff this year. Right. But I think if next year is going to be when you really need to see ASU be a serious threat if not get to kind of like a double digit type win season because you're going to have all a lot of, of those young guys are going to be you know upperclassmen uh, you're going to have your you know, several recruiting classes under your belt you're going to have you know the, the last year's top 20 class you know with the hashtag cali doubles and all the hype that they built up around there those guys are going to have a year of experience so i think that's going to be a year where it's going to kind of be a put up or shut up um for herm edwards his staff you know the quote-unquote pro model everything that they've been trying to build because you know seven five was great and you know kind of building their foundation but you know as you mentioned it's got to be a time where you actually show progress otherwise you know it's just kind of like how Todd Graham had some early success but then wasn't able to sustain it I mean so what ASU wants is to awaken that long-rumored sleeping giant and they're not going to be able to do that you know seven five eight and five type seasons yeah, to, Brad, to kind of build on Adam's question and that in your response there, you know, I think Adam touched on like the expectations. Th there's the expectations and the narrative in college football always, right? Like someone came in with higher expectations, didn't meet them, and, it, it, and then he's gotten crushed in the in the fan base and in the media because accordingly and kind of the inverse with ASU and Herm, 
What's your, t- I know, given that this season is going to be kind of a weird seven game season uh, and kind of building off what you were just saying with like a put up or shut up next year, regardless of what the record is, if ASU and U of A end up with the same record this year, is that going to be more positive for ASU or more negative for ASU or more positive for U of A in your opinion? Uh, I think, well, it's going to be kind of like the same record. Like if, you know, they're, they're, they both come out like a five and two, then I think, you know, be, you know, interesting to see you know, how the, the Wildcats got there and just, cause, cause then you also have to look at, you know, some of the other, you know, the, the, playing a pretty similar schedule and, um, you know, with the, you know, you look at the California schools, the Southern California schools and, you know, they're, they're going to be playing from behind in terms of just their preparation. Um, so it's not even, you know, like the sense of parity that in, you know, the, the college football calendar being so regimented and everything strict and, and it, it really, I think, you know, throw such a, such a curveball that it's real hard to kind of make prognostications. And, you know, I, but I do think that, you know, there's certain, a, a certain baseline, you know, acceptable level that, you know, this Sun Devil team, whether it is a legitimate Pac-12 South or even at a larger scale Pac-12 in general contender, uh, I think there's going to be a baseline expectation that, Given the, the returning talent and some of the key positions, and, and uh, especially on, maybe on the defensive side of things, that this should be a pretty solid year. So I think if they, I think if that these two teams do end up with a similar record, I think it's going to be uh, with the Wildcats kind of you know coming together, rallying, and putting together some good wins. So I would imagine if each team wins two games, then there's probably a referendum against ASU. Whereas if each team wins five or six, and it's like. Hey, good on Arizona because ASU can't help that, right? If Arizona got to be better than everybody thought, then good for the Wildcats. But yeah. that's not a knock against ASU, I wouldn't think. I, I guess my question was a leading question of if they're both three and four or four and three, the narrative game starts to cut both ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in that case, yeah, then it's gonna be interesting because then you wonder if, like, you know, um, you know, maybe the Jaden Daniels uh, miss time or something uh, along those lines, or maybe if right. you know ASU did find those struggles. Because um, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, given the, the the look of the rest of the South, <laughs> maybe the news of you know the, of Colorado now being you know having a two week setback of their own, you, you know you you got to figure you know the Pac-12 there's the South especially there's gonna be some winnable games and then you know you wonder you just go on luck of the draw you know somebody's gonna draw a cross division thing you know somebody's gonna have to face Oregon versus somebody having to face Wazoo or something so um, you know it's gonna be real interesting to, to figure out how that's uh, all shakes out, but yeah, if I think if both teams are hovering around that that uh, 500 mark, then yeah, 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 my brows will be raised. Well, and that, like we were talking earlier before you came on about how you know you'll, we'll learn a lot about the Pac-12 and who they think are going to be the best teams by how they do the scheduling when it comes to the crossover games, right? Like who does Oregon get to play? Who does ASU play? Who does USC play? <laughs> you know, if they give Oregon crossover <laughs> games against say like Arizona and Colorado, then you know that they're thinking they want Oregon to go 7-0 and have a shot at the playoff, especially if you have ASU having to play I don't know Washington or Wazoo or something like that. So we'll we'll learn a lot about that scheduling too. There is one thing too. I I saw and I don't know they haven't made the schedule. They haven't officially put it out there yet. But I did read that their plan is to kind of make this season what it is and then continue on with 2021 as it was normally scheduled, which would mean, for instance, like no fans at the territorial cup game this season in Tucson. But then, of course, fans at the Territorial Cup game next season in Tempe. And from my biased Wildcat perspective, 
that's terrible because Arizona gets basically, you know, no fans, no real home field advantage, whereas ASU gets basically two years in a row of a home field advantage. Arizona doesn't get, but would you have been okay with, and like the way I see it, they should have just made this season like a punt the season. It's a weird schedule anyway. And, you know, just don't count it in terms of what happens going forward to next year. And then next year's season would have been this year's, at least conference-wise, as it was scheduled before the pandemic. Would that have made sense to you? Oh, that's, yeah, I, I, I think I might have said it on, uh, on another podcast. I, that, that's exactly what I think should have happened. They should have just kind of, you know, put a pin in what was supposed to go down this year, slide it over one, and just, you know, whether, whether it's you just, like, put everything in a, in a ping-pong ball hopper NBA lottery style and just make your schedule that way. Let fate decide because this whole year is going to have a giant asterisk on it anyway. And, that, you know, it, so just, you know, let the chips fall where they may in terms of, of scheduling, but just, you know, maintain that. You know, if things are, uh, you know, fingers crossed, able to return to a sense of normalcy uh, in 2021, that you still have, you know, each of the next, you know, or your last two full football seasons to be, you know, have that, that same integrity. And then just with the, uh, the weird 2020 uh, abbreviated season um, in the middle. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, that, that's going to be a big factor because, yeah, when you go, you know, some of, not all road trips are created equally within this conference. And, you know, ASU had a, a, an initial schedule, had a, you know, Halloween game against, uh, you know, in Pullman. So, I mean, that, that looks a whole lot different in that scenario versus, you know, like a no fan um, situation maybe if they draw it in, in say, like December. So I, I do think I totally agree with you 100% that I, would, I was in favor of just kind of, you know, putting a pin and just sliding everything over and just letting this weird, crazy, awful year just, you know, kind of be its own thing in a vacuum and not have it kind of, you know, impact the the uh, year-in, year-out uh, schedule rotation, which, you know, they, I believe they have earmarked out through, the, you know, the rest of this, uh, this decade. Well, I think to, to, to add on to that from an Arizona perspective, you know, that's our for sure sellout game of the year that's going to give us, uh, <laughs> you know, some revenue that we need. So I, I'm curious to see how that actually happens with uh, if there's no fans for the Territorial Cup in Tucson this year, but then it comes if it goes back to Tempe as planned. Um, but one last question for you, Brad, and then we'll let you go. Thank you again for uh, joining us and spending time with us. We really appreciated it. Um, I'm just curious to hear your perspective. I'm sure you don't follow uh, Arizona as much as, obviously, you do the, the Sun Devils. But from an outsider's perspective from the rival school, when you look at uh, the Arizona football program, uh, what, what do you see? I see a program that, you know, as I think you guys alluded to earlier, like when Kevin Sumlin was hired, it seemed to be like a whoa type of hire, like kind of had some of the same juice, kind of some of the same juice as when Rich Rod is hired. Like, okay, you know, this they got themselves a guy that had some uh, has some clout, has some uh, uh, interesting things on his recent resume, but you know, for uh, I think the real the handling last year of the quarterback situation and, you know, again, you mentioned from outside perspective, it seemed real weird and, and just kind of, uh, I mean, either go with the guy that it has had such recent success or play the young stud and, and Grant Cannell. Uh, but, you know, that kind of waffling, I think kind of, you know, really hampered the program and uh, you see the struggles in, in, uh, in recruiting, at least relative to what the Sun Devils have done in the last couple of cycles. Um, it, 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 I see a program that, you know, has a lot of potential, but at the same point, I, you know, it, it seems pretty, with each passing year that, you know, the success that Kevin someone had early uh, at Texas A&M probably was maybe a fluke, and maybe he's uh, 
not the right guy for for that job in that environment. And I know that like being in the Pac-12 and in Tucson, it carries with it some uh, some unique challenges. And I don't know that uh, you know it's going to be a situation where someone is going to be the guy to you know elevate that football program to a sustained level of success like some of the coaches that uh, the program has had in the not too distant past, or you know, to you know, get a nice compliment to you know the success that uh, the Wildcats have in a, a basketball perspective. Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils podcast, and you do some writing too. If people want to hate, read, or hate listen to your stuff, how can they find you? <laughs> uh, you can hate follow me on Twitter at bdenny29, and if you want to hate listen to the Speak of the Devils podcast, you can find it pretty much on any platform out there. We just uh, recently were uh, added to Spotify and Amazon Music, as well as, you know, of course, Apple, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the usual suspects. Uh, so, yeah, you can uh, find the show there. We try to, you know, bring it, you know, at your, you always make your annual appearance, Adam, and always bring great uh, insight to uh, the Territorial Cup game, whenever that might be this year. Of course, <laughs> we'll have you on uh, to talk about, uh, you know, what that's going to, you know, uh, Territorial Cup showdown in the middle of the pandemic is going to have some extra craziness to it. So right. I encourage folks to subscribe there. And if you want to want to follow me uh, at BDN29, that's, uh, that's a life choice, too. <laughs> it's not a bad one, you know, Brad. You're a good friend. You're a great <laughs> reporter. And, like, you do some really good content. You get great guests on the podcast, too. So if people want to hate listen or just learn a little bit more about the ASU program and what's going on with the Sun Devils, this is the guy to read. This is the guy to listen to because you're going to get all the information there. And it never hurts to know a little bit more about your rival, especially in times like this. So, Brad, thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. That's Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils. And when we come back, we'll talk more about today's big news in the Pac-12. Thanks again to Brad Denny for joining us to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the conversation took a turn from when we decided we were going to have him on to when we actually had him on. You know, we were not previewing a game, which I'm thankful for that. I never thought the game should have been September 26th. But at the same time, obviously now that there's a chance for football, like it's a really good chance of football happening, I can't wait to see it. But, Brett, we didn't talk about basketball because along with the news about football, the Pac-12 announced that basketball season – will begin November 25th. And we, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. We knew that both of us kind of figured there was a better chance of basketball happening sooner than football. Just smaller rosters, smaller just coaching staffs, easier to bubble, which we've seen bubbles work. But now there's something kind of, I don't know, it's not in writing, but it's been announced that they think basketball can start November 25th, which doesn't, which means the season wouldn't really be starting that much later than usual, which is good. But obviously, like with football, everything is subject to change. Everything is subject to coronavirus. Yeah, it's, you know, not necessarily unexpected. Um, and especially we talked about it, you know, I think I, I think you're going to see even more uh, quasi bubbles of those early non-conference tournaments to try to do, get some round robin games in, in a much more controlled environment. Uh, I think our friends at AZ Deserts, AZ Deserts Forum, I think, is already saying that the, you know, Arizona was scheduled to be in the NIT tip-off on November 25th, but uh, I think that was originally it's supposed to be in New York, which is probably a, a less than desirable uh, coronavirus spot. Well, they're doing um, really well lately, but they probably wouldn't let this tournament happen there. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's just the more dense of a population, the higher the risk, right, yeah, of, of, uh, of transmission. Um, so I think there's rumors that that might be moving to Orlando, which 
would make some sense. Um, yeah, you know, it seems it, it seems like all systems are go for basketball. Um, you know, we'll we'll see once. Uh, gosh, you'll see we'll see once. Uh, once the, the people are practicing officially, like I don't think Arizona has started practicing officially, and I, you know, I think most of the guys are on campus. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the the big variable here is that college towns, like you know, we've we talked about, are just they're the hot spots right now for for obvious reasons. Damn kids. <laughs> um, oh, I don't mean you know, it. Just, I mean yes, it's all the kids' fault. But I used to be one of you, and I get it. Well, and it's just like we just said for New York, it's a population density question to some extent too, right? And college campuses are inherently more dense. Nice save. I appreciate that. Thank you. I got your back. <laughs> Don't want to piss um, off the, the youngins. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you feel pretty good about that, especially when, when they started off, they'll be able to do a little bit more things that represent a bubble without running afoul of... <laughs> the amateurism rules and other complications of a bubble plus you can play you know a number of games mm-hmm. without delay as long as everybody that's in that bubble is safe uh you know like we talked about i think last week so yeah it, i'm i'm excited to have my uh my 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 Kirk Carissa man crush finally get to be lived out in real life yeah no and that's <sighs> I mean, it's Arizona. We we can't wait for basketball season, right? And the way last season ended with a team that underwhelmed during the regular season but had potential and might have played one of its best games of the season in its last game of the season, like, it's not unfinished business. That team isn't coming back. Right? Most of that team is actually gone. But there's always excitement for Arizona basketball, even when you're not looking at a team that is preseason top 10 or top 25, especially with a roster like this that does have some intriguing talent. Like, we want to see how it plays out. Also knowing that, at least feeling like this is a roster that'll be around for a lot of these players for you know a couple of seasons, it feels like this could be the beginning of something. That this season may not be the one where they make a deep run, but this is laying the foundation of the team that will be making that run. Like with Kirk Carissa, when he plays this season, okay, his role will get bigger and bigger. James Akinjo, his role will get bigger and bigger. You know, like that's what we're looking at in this season's team. And of course, seeing that they have a chance to play is very exciting. It's again, we just we want sports. We always did, you know, and for Arizona, neither one of football or basketball, I mean, women's basketball, and Adia Barnes is excited about this season because they were going to make a run last season. They should be possibly even better this season. Like, that's a team, like a program that got the okay to start playing again. They look and say, they're going to do something special. Like, Adia Barnes and that women's basketball team is going to be phenomenal. So, like, for competitive reasons, I can't wait for them to get back on the court. You know, men's basketball and football, it's more intriguing. You just want to see because you want to see seasons. You want to see if there's progress. You want to see if there's a foundation for both of those programs. Obviously, basketball's a little bit ahead of football, even in a down year. But you want to see that. And similar to football, with basketball having that date put out there, it's like you see you see that island. You know, I made that analogy before or whatever that metaphor. Like I brought that up because like you see it. You know, it looks a little bit. It's a little bit closer when it comes to basketball, just because there's fewer obstacles in the way. You would think. I mean, there's some of the same obstacles, but they should be either easier to navigate for basketball than for football. But like that was a news, and it's it's good news, right? Like it's not nothing no. is final because it doesn't mean they're playing. But I think maybe the fact that we've seen other football programs play games does give you confidence that it could happen, right? Like just maybe it's not some places haven't been able to do it well, but others have. So it's it's not it's not impossible. It seems to be anyway. It doesn't seem to be impossible. 
And now the Pac-12 has announced that it's okay, which it's not. It's sooner than January first. <laughs> like, so th- there is that. Um, but I, it'll be good to talk about sports again. Yeah, we don't have to try to come up with creative content or really dive into every recruit possibility. <laughs> Speaking of recruit possibility, no. <laughs> Uh, I made a couple of quick things we could talk about. I mean, there's a reason we didn't spend too much time on them earlier. Colin Wilburn decided to enter, enter the transfer portal. Another veteran Arizona defensive player. Yeah, at this point, like it's more just like that was a body. Like he was a bigger name his freshman season. He was really good, and his production since then, the two seasons since, hasn't been as high. Why he decided to transfer now is interesting. And you look at Arizona's defense, you're like, oh, they could have used just experience. But talent-wise, they may not be losing a ton. But obviously, like you'd feel better about having just a veteran who has experience in that spot i mean he's he's somebody that i think the word enigmatic would come to mind because he was like a freshman all-american type yeah and then basically looks looks mostly the part though maybe put on some wrong weight (laughs) or some bad weight i can relate (laughs) can relate like you had too many beer cans that you've uh, gone through that's part of it um you know so (laughs) It certainly doesn't make you feel good about the linebacker depth. <laughs> but hopefully over the next six weeks or so when that coaching staff gets their hands on these players, you know, and gets a chance to mold them in this defense. Like, obviously, when you move to a 3-4, it's not good to lose linebackers. But perhaps when they're getting players that are the ones they recruited and they brought in maybe, you know, for this system were just guys that they believed in more than the holdovers that came from the Rich Rodriguez staff. Uh, in terms of the players they've lost, Tony Fields and Colin Schooler rank higher, I think, on the concern list than Colin Wilburn. You know, good luck to him wherever he goes. You know, got no ill will towards him. But, you know, at least over the next six weeks, Arizona, these freshmen that they're going to have to rely on, some of the walk-ons they're probably going to have to rely on, it's not ideal, but they'll get them to a point where at least you could feel like they know what they're doing. You know, like there's actually, with the coaching staff having had, had, had these guys on campus some already, to get work out and try to get stronger, these freshmen especially, like maybe they'll have a little bit of an advantage and they'll be more ready to play by week one of this weird season than they otherwise would have been. But I'm not saying, like, I'm glad these guys all transferred because, obviously, they had been productive and they have experience and you can't replace experience. Like, it's hard. You can't. Like, you can get by with freshmen. I mean, Colin Schooler was an impactful freshman. Colin Wilburn was an impactful freshman. You know, so it's possible. But in a weird season, I'm going to it is a new defense, so maybe it doesn't matter as much. But, you know, it's just, I guess, when you don't really like seeing players transfer no matter what because it's like, what's wrong with our program? You know, why is why are players leaving Arizona? Well, everything's supposed to be getting better. It is. It's not the best feeling. It's not the best look, but it may not matter in the grand scheme. That was a really good generic person asking questions voice, Adam. Was it? <laughs> no, no, not really. Oh, man. Um, no, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, you'd think there's maybe going to be some position moves to try to fill that space or walk ons that have to fill fill in that middle linebacker spot. But like, you know, everybody likes to talk about Nathan Tilford, but. Somebody's got to somebody. Somebody's got to play. <laughs> I wonder has Colin Schooler played a game for Texas Tech? I think like, he has. Like not according to his ESPN game log. I feel like he missed the first couple games and they didn't say why. Like I wonder if he hasn't played a game yet. Could he come back? <laughs> Colin, come back. Like I think that's a song, right? Colin, come back. Baby, come back! But I, I, I know. Thank you. Or I was, I was really thinking of the Kramer asking Kenny to come back. Kenny Rogers Roasters from Seinfeld. Kenny, <laughs> is that too old of a reference? 
I never mm-hmm. got into Seinfeld. Oh, how 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 do you not? How did you not get into Seinfeld? Jesus, I did, I just didn't. I I I just never my jam. Like I liked the Soup Nazi episode, but that was about it. Oh boy, I don't know what to tell you. Nah, I mean it, it is what it is. It's, I mean, there's always time. Like I've had plenty of time, and that's not a show that I've caught up on. You know, I'm sorry to anyone who that offends you. If that prevents you from leaving a five star review, then. I understand, but it also I don't understand because it has nothing to do with the content of this show. But anyway, <laughs> Brett, like obviously there's still about six weeks between now and when Arizona's supposed to get back on the field for football games. A lot can happen, but it's been a it's a good news day. You know, it has been like it's been a good news day of hey, there is reason for optimism just for the sport and honestly for Arizona football. Although we've gone over Arizona football, we'll probably have to, we're going to do another position breakdown. You realize that, right? Like we did that how many weeks ago, how many months ago? We're like, we're going to break down Arizona's position groups and it's all changed. So we're going to have to do that again. So that'll be fun. I mean, the linebacker one will be real short <laughs> or we'll just say, or we'll just say it has been completely broken down. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just cut out the part, like our sentence about Anthony Pandy and just like replay that <laughs> like linebackers. Anthony Pandy's there. Defensive backs, like that. That's what it'll. That's what it'll sound like, probably. But no, I mean, it, it'll be exciting to talk about in preview seasons. Like we'll get the schedule. I assume next week. I hopefully before we record next week's show, and then we'll break that down as you break down the schedule. And unlike the first time they created a new schedule, this one actually seems more reasonable, more playable. And hopefully they can do it right. Like I like this optimism. It's been a more upbeat show. I feel like, and I'd like to have more of them. At least if they're going to be like down shows let it be because a team was terrible not because a team never had a chance to play not never had a chance on the field because that could be the case like if they play like Oregon or you know a good program a good team this season yeah I agree so so (laughs) I think that's going to wrap up this show make sure you subscribe to this show podcast you know the iTunes on uh, Spotify French and you can get a podcast Wildcat Radio 2.0 you know subscribe leave some reviews five stars preferably Um, make sure that you're following us on Twitter, Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. You can find us there, and of course, tune in to all. Like now that there's games happening or going to be games happening, you'll have all sorts of different content on the channel. But some of the play-by-play tracks still going on. And yeah, and if you have any questions or you want a little mailbag, hit us up on the Twitter account, and we will be sure to at least read them off the air, <laughs> and then decide if we're going to bring them onto the air. But hey, shoot your shot. You know that's that's all you can say. And hey, guys, don't. Don't ruin this now that we had this vote. Wear a damn mask. Wear a damn mask. Like, let, let's have football. Like, let's have sports. Let's have the Arizona Wildcats get back on their respective fields, the court, everywhere Wildcats can be found because we all want that and we're all excited about the possibility of it happening. So, Brett, until next week when we talk about ideally a schedule release, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>